So today's theme is Jesus Christ, God's yes. I don't know if you've ever been let down by anyone in your life before. Maybe you have. Maybe you've had it not as many times as others. Who knows? Paul, actually, in his letter to 2 Corinthians, actually talks about that. And hear what he says, especially at the end. The Bible reading is in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 1, verse 17 to 20. You may be asking why I changed my plan. Do you think I make my plans carelessly? Do you think that I am like people of the world who says yes when they really mean no? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy and I, Paul, preach to you. And as God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. In response to God's word that is faithful and true, I ask you to please stand as you are able as we declare what we believe with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Over to you, Pastor Paul. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. I will read just a couple of verses, um, and I'm picking out specifically that idea of Jesus Christ being God's yes, what that means for us. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you uh, by me, Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. In the Bible, there are many names for Jesus. Saviour, Good Shepherd, Messiah, Emmanuel, just to name a few. In our text, St. Paul speaks of Jesus as God's yes. 
Maybe you didn't realize that that was one of the names in the Bible for Jesus. When you think about it, it's probably one of the most beautiful ways to describe Jesus. Because while no tends to be static and being safe and not moving, yes implies action and involvement. When you say yes, you're not merely saying it because yes implies commitment and doing something. St. Paul says that Jesus Christ is God's yes to us. In Jesus, all the promises that God has made are kept. When we hear, we hear God saying to us, yes, I love you. Yes, I want you for my own. And we see that yes in the cross of Christ. That bloody, pierced, tortured yes when Jesus died for us. The story of God's love is a story of gift. It's not so God loved the world so much that he said, I love you, but he gave his life for you. We see other instances of God's yes. We see the yes of creation. A yes that we live in. A yes full of colour and shape and beauty and marvel. A yes that's full of potential for us to use and enjoy and also for us to look after. And God continues his yes to us today in the church. In the sacraments, we're going to have Holy Communion later today, we see God's yes telling us that he is with us in our world. In baptism, which we're going to celebrate in the next service, God personally and intimately claims me for his own. And then he enriches that in the Lord's Supper, gives us the body and blood of Christ to strengthen our faith and to give us the assurance of the forgiveness of our sins and of the life that we have with God. So all that being true, that Jesus Christ is God's yes, and God does that yes to us all through our Christian lives, we are now called to be God's yes into our world. And as we said before, yes involves commitment, and yes involves action. And that's what God calls us to do. Now, I am proud, thankful for my heritage. Um, I was brought up with a strong Christian education, uh, and I grew up in a stable Christian family. However, it may be true for you too, as I look back on my upbringing, it seems that I was taught a lot about saying no and having the courage to do that, and not so much about the courage to say yes. There seems, as I remember back, to have been a lot about saying no. In fact, it almost seemed as if Christianity was a table of things that we shouldn't do. Um, we weren't to swear or steal or gamble or waste time. We're allowed to drink, though, apparently. <laughs> the catalogues of don'ts were endless, as I remember. And I wonder if that didn't actually build in me a bit of a negative posture, where the church protected the gospel rather than exposed it and proclaimed it joyfully. And in our current age, 
where there is a significant negativity about the church in our world, I wonder if that also doesn't affect us to where we feel like we have to protect the church rather than exposing it um, and showing our faith. And I also wonder if that no stance has also influenced our attitude towards our material possessions as well. Particularly this time, all of us are going through times of severe financial stress when things and even the future can look so negative. And it can lead us to where we want to be sure that we're okay, that we have enough, that we're safe before we start to look around to others. So I wonder whether in the church we've actually lost the courage to say yes, to take risks in faith, even if they don't necessarily work all the time. Have we lost the ability to rely on God? And I think maybe that might be true. It's always safer to say no and stay where we are. And maybe in the Lutheran church, we're even better than that than a lot of other people as well. Now, you may be asking if you've been brought up like I was, well, isn't there a place for no somewhere? Do we always have to be doing yes? Um, and of course there is. There is a place for no as well. Let me illustrate. And I'm going to tell a couple of stories in the sermon today. They're a couple of my absolute favourite stories. And if I've used them before, I apologise, but I think you'll still enjoy them. I read a story about uh, a couple who went to visit friends. And when they got there, um, the, the couple that they had gone to visit came out looking quite excited and invited them down to the back shed. And they thought, ah, oh, yes, we know what's going on. And as they went down there, they were told, yeah, Duchess, their dog, had had pups. And they were going down to show off the new pups. As the master of the house, the, the owner of the house, and the owner of Duchess walked in, Duchess jumped up and wagged her tail and barked with glee. But when she saw the other two, who she didn't know, suddenly her posture changed. Her head went down, the hair on the back of her neck went up, her tail went down and she snarled at them and growled. And it was the most beautiful growl there was. Because what she was saying was, well, look, you may be okay, but I don't know. And I just want you to hold where you are until I can work out if I can trust you. Because these things I have are the most precious things in my life and I don't want to take any risk with them. There is a place for no, for protecting what is important. But I thought about that. And you know, eventually, Duchess is going to have to take a risk. She's going to have to let her puppies go out of the shed. And maybe they'll be injured Maybe they'll be hurt by someone. Maybe even they'll be run over by a car. But a puppy cannot fulfil its life living trapped in a shed. There comes a time where they have to step out and go. We have been given so many gifts by God. And these gifts that we've been given are given to us to use, not just to protect and not just for ourselves. The gifts that God gives us are to be shared. And when, you look at our, when we look at our lives, our lives are comprehensive and inclusive. There are so many gifts that we have. 
And we also have that ultimate gift, the gift of Jesus Christ and that gift of the promise of eternal life with God. In this new life that God gives us, we are challenged to live a life of yes. So let our lives, let our Christian lives be willing and joyful. You can do things because of duty, but that's never the same as doing them out of love. Let our Christian lives be spontaneous and courageous. A Christian author many years ago said this, too often Christians dress up like deep sea divers in order to pull out a bath plug. That should not be true of us. Our Christian lives should be spontaneous and courageous. Our Christian lives should be creative and imaginative. To care about people, to see needs, we have to be able to see them through their eyes. And to do that, that means that we have to use our imagination. And we also need to be innovative and open to different ways to carry out our ministry as the world around us changes. Um, And I think that's especially true for us here at Good Shepherd in the time that we are going through. We need to be innovative and creative in our ministry as we keep that going. And our Christian lives should always be grateful and humble. As I said before, at the moment, so many people are going through tough and difficult times, particularly financial. But as we stop and look around the world, we realise that God has blessed us so well and in so many different ways. And perhaps even what we are going through now is a test for us of just where our security really is. Do we trace our life and our goodness back to God and to what he has done for us and trust in him? Live in our Christian lives a life of yes, Um, being joyful to proclaim the gospel and express what God is for us and carry out his mission. Maybe you're like me, because I believe that. Even as a pastor, there are lots of times when I think, why'd you call on me, God? Could have picked that person over there, because they're much better than I, than I am at this. Sometimes it may be as we go through doing those things, we feel, I'm not quite good enough to do that. What I'm offering, surely, is not of a really high standard. Another story. Um, I remember a story told by an American pastor. He recalled a special breakfast that was brought to him in bed. He and his wife awoke at 5.30am to the pitter-patter of scurrying feet and in came their little four-year-old and eight-year-old sons with breakfast in bed. It was, unfortunately, an elaborate menu. Cold burnt toast, soggy muesli with three teaspoons of sugar on top, fried eggs, unfortunately the whites were still runny, Um, and cold tepid tea. Horrible. And then they said, oops, we forgot something and raced off to get another concoction. His wife turned to him and said, you are going to have to eat this. I can't. And he did. He didn't eat it as a gourmet because it wasn't gourmet cooking. He didn't eat it as a hungry person because at half past five in the morning his stomach wasn't awake yet. 
He ate it as a father because it had been made for him in love. It had been given to him in faith. It had been served on willing feet with starry eyes. When we think of our service to God in whatever vocation we may have and as a steward of the gospel, maybe sometimes we think that our offering is a bit like that breakfast, a lukewarm and a bit unfit. But our Heavenly Father receives them and promises to bless them. Not because we are good or even perhaps because of what we offer is good, but because he is good and can take what we offer and use it to bless the people around us. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.